0: Welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast with your hosts Mike Gore and Jocelyn Goddow. This podcast is full of stories and lessons from the persecuted church to help you follow Jesus no matter the cost. For more information, head over to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. Here's today's episode.
1: Well, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Open Doors live podcast. It is Mike Gore here in the studio with our stand-in host, Beth Westwood-Beth. Good to see you.
0: It's good to be here. I have really been looking forward to this. Honestly, recording this podcast is probably one of the highlights of my month for me. Um, And I'm so excited that we get to be here again to share with you for this month's episode of the Open Doors Live podcast. Now,
1: it all feels a little bit more tense today because we're trying something a little bit different. We're recording it so we can give people a bit of an insight, uh, I guess, on social media as to how we do it. But I'll tell you what, it is terrifying having these cameras here. I'm thinking, what's my face doing? Am I smiling? enough you know am i sounding happy enough as yeah, exactly. usually we can just sit here and talk yeah. so um please forgive us for any of the awkwardness <laughs> and particularly when you're watching it because i have a sneaking suspicion It's going to look incredibly awkward. I
0: don't really watch many people do podcasts, but I also do love when they show us behind the scenes because I think the thing that's cool about podcasts is you get to feel like you're in the room with somebody. And so welcome to this episode. I hope you feel like you're in the room with us and I'm really excited for what we're going to talk about today. We are talking about a little three letter word. Yeah. We're talking about ego and this episode was based off, we have team devotions every week and Mike, you shared the other week Mm. on this idea of ego, what it looks like to keep your ego in check, how you define ego, all those sorts of things, ego within the church. And so I thought if you could just share a bit of that with us this morning, that'd be a great way to kick us off.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. So I remember at our team devotions, I said, I guess ego, I can define it as three things. You know, ego is the best friend of success. It's the destroyer of character and the enemy of the church. We want this podcast to be basically, we've always said it before, an all-in-one devotional for Christians, but also church leaders and anyone, I guess, trying to understand how to follow Jesus in today's world. And ego, it's one of the greatest challenges leaders and the church can face. I see the rise of what I like to call fame-based Christianity, a real need for leaders to learn how to keep their ego in check. It's because fame-based Christianity, in so many ways, and to be clear, it's a best-intentioned form of Christianity. Mm. In fact, our desire is to be as influential as possible, bring people to Jesus. Mm. But in so many cases, the pathway to do that is to focus on growing our profile, Mm. growing the influence and the impact of what we do. Now, remember what I said at the top, ego, it is the best friend of success, the destroyer of character, and the enemy of the church. And so ego, it loves to live in amongst fame-based Christianity. But even outside of leaders and influencers, ego will always exist. So you don't have to be a leader, you don't have to be a CEO or a pastor for ego or the influence of ego to have a foothold in your life. It always exists. It's part of human nature. It exists with confident people, with charismatic people, with extroverts, with introverts. It exists whether you have self-belief. It exists whether you don't. Ego will always exist exist. The challenge though, Beth, is that if you're not careful, ego will undermine your character. It undoes all success and ultimately leaves you at great risk of abusing those around you because entitlement begins to change you. As leaders and just even followers of Jesus, we've got to understand the negative forces of ego and surround ourselves with people who are willing to keep us on track in the face of success. Because ego is terrifying, but it's like cancer. unchecked. It can kill you. The worst part of ego, and the way I guess I wrap this little acronym up, is that ego edges God out. Wow.
0: I think when you define ego like that, the best friend of success, the destroyer of character, the enemy of the church, it really makes me think, why don't we talk about this? more that acronym edges got out i think is probably the clincher for for me and mm. and for you you were saying obviously it impacts everybody it can impact you whether you're in a position of leadership or not but as somebody who has been the ceo um, you're you're quite known now in christian circles what things have you had to put in place in order to keep that ego in check
1: yeah it's a great question but let me ask you how would you define ego
0: i think ego is your sense of self-importance so in that sense I don't think ego is necessarily a bad thing but I think it's ego unchecked that we're actually talking about okay
1: so if your definition is uh, a sense of self-importance tell me what is what's the opposite of ego
0: probably things like humility and servant-heartedness and a sense of importance that is not inflated I guess
1: Mm. yeah well we're basically getting somewhere here For, for me and you're right it's a challenge I think in western cultures particularly within church cultures, there's been something in the last decade, maybe even more. I mean, I've been in kind of leadership positions now for a decade, and so that's when I guess I've become aware of it. But the church, out of a best-intentioned effort to serve God and make people feel welcomed, they have what I call a real honoring culture. And sometimes that can be a best friend of ego, because you can walk into a church and you know, you've got your seat ready for you when I'm going to speak, and then they sort yeah. of usher you on stage, and then they usher you away from people at the end, and and all of these incredibly loving things that leave me feeling ultimately self-important. However, their attitude and the people that are serving me are doing it because they're saying, "Hey, we want you to feel honoured, we want you to feel loved, and we want you to feel important." But that's the wrestle. Remember, Our ego is the best friend of success. It's a destroyer of character, the enemy of the church. And so and when you ask me how do I keep it in check, there's a couple of things that I try and do. And so first and foremost, I have a daily mantras or daily uh, sort of statements I say over my life, and there's several of them. The way I do it is in the morning, I say, I will boast in nothing other than you, mm. for I don't have breath in my lungs without you first giving it. No skill, no talent, no wisdom, no ability, nothing without you first pouring it out in my life. Mm. And so that daily kind of... Um, reminder helps me shock myself out of any kind of sense of comfort or complacency or pride or arrogance that, that I try and avoid I guess and then the other way would be I really think it's important particularly when it comes to leadership and speaking to always be present for people you know to lead with the heart of a servant I'm really mindful of saying hey whenever I meet someone I tell myself hey if this was their only ever time in life that they'll have the opportunity to meet my call, what experience do I want to give them of that Right, And now that, again, it's not meant to be a, hey, look, I'm awesome kind of experience. It's meant to be a humble one. Mm. Hey, I want to be incredibly and intently um, aware and interested in the people I'm speaking with. I want to listen to them. I want to hear about them. I want to learn about them. Because if this was their only opportunity in life to ever meet me, well, I want them to have the best part of me or the best experience of me. And so there are two little ways, I guess, Beth, that I really try and avoid the yeah, insidious tentacles of, of ego because they're everywhere. They try and get you, but it's really important. Remember, number one, that I have nothing other than what God pulls out in my life. No spiritual gift, no talent, no ability, nothing. And number two, to be always present and more interested in others than you are interested in yourself.
0: I love that idea of what is this person's first Experience of meeting you and how are you keeping your ego in check? It actually just reminded me of a story. A friend of mine was working at, you know, one of the, the big Christian conferences mm. we had in Sydney and she was standing on the doors to let delegates through and this guy came up to her and she said, oh, sorry, um, this is only for delegates. You need to go around the back and go in, go in the the entrance with all the other people who, who have paid to just sit in the normal seats and all that sort of thing. And so this guy, he gave her a bit of a look and then he said, yeah, okay, yep, I'll, I'll go around the other way. And as she was looking at the MC on stage hosting the event, they called up the preacher for that session. It was John Bevere. And then she sees the guy who she just told not to come through the door she was standing at walk up on stage and she realized, oh my goodness, I just told John Bevere. And I'm sure most of our listeners know that name. She thought, I just told John Bevere that he's not allowed to come through the door (laughs) and he has to go through the door with all the other normal people who are at church today. Um, But I loved the idea that he didn't say, oh, don't you know who I am or you know, don't, don't you know that I'm the one who's preaching today? And I think it's a really beautiful um, example of what it looks like to keep your ego in check, but also with the value statement, like you were saying, Mike, I'm quite a a young leader, like new to, to what it means to lead people. And when I started running teams here, both you and Jocelyn coached me through what it looked like to have Mm. a value statement on my own. And for me, I realized through that process Moments of of ego came when I felt I needed to prove myself Mm. and I felt I needed to prove my self-importance. So a line for me that has always been a a true north for me was this idea that I am a child of God already approved and Mm. loved. And so for me every day keeping my ego in check meant reminding myself that I don't need to prove anything and I don't need to prove my self-importance because I'm already approved and loved. So I would just say to our listeners, a value statement is something really, really significant and it's something you can do that can set up your day and change the way that you go about your day. So, you know, if you have time this week, I'd encourage you to sit down, put together a value statement, put together the things that you want to guide your life, the things that you value, the things that you stand by. And it, it doesn't have to have anything to do with what you do for a job or mm. a career. It's more about your identity in God. And I think that's a really awesome way of, of keeping ego in check.
1: We, we call it a value statement, but I think for, for the listeners today... I'd go as far as calling it like a calling statement, right? Mm. Because I reckon, again, one of the biggest challenges we face in the Western world is that people tell you, oh, man, you must be called to work at Open Doors. Yeah. And I always tell people, whoever I'm coaching, I'm like, if anyone ever tells you that, run, <laughs> right? Because calling is never about vocation. In fact, calling should always be tied up in um, to love God, to love people, right? And so for me, my value statement, it's a statement that, I can essentially look back over my life as an older man as on my deathbed and ask myself, can I die a happy man? Because I remember meeting with a persecuted church in Central Asia. One of the brothers there said to me, well, you only have two options in your life, fulfill your calling or don't. And I thought to myself, that's right, actually. And he said, well, that's the difference between dying, happy or unhappy, to live out your calling. And then I sort of paused and thought about it and thinking, man, what is my calling? Oh, so is it to serve the persecuted church. And then I thought to myself, that's the biggest challenge yeah. is that as Christians, so many of us go, oh, what am I called to? Should I take that job? Or, but is that yeah. in the corporate world or not? And, but is that what I'm called to? And so I think in the worst cases, the notion of calling can be almost used as a tool of conformity or abuse mm. by, by leaders. Whereas actually what I want to encourage our listeners today is the whole purpose of a value statement or a statement around calling is to show you that it's in anything but your job. Right? It's, it's about finding a sense of identity in Christ. And so my statement, Beth, and I'll share it with you guys today, is, is something that I can look back over my life and realize I can, I can live this kind of life, whether I'm stacking shelves at a supermarket, yeah. whether I'm working for Open Doors, I can live this life at home when I'm parenting my daughters as a husband to my wife. And so for me, I say I'm called out, set apart, appointed as a prophet to the nations, speaking to crowds, influencing lives, leading people and organizations with wisdom to a Christ-centered greatness. I'm consistent in my character and genuinely desire the success of others by valuing people and the purpose for which they exist. The world is as it is. I will not focus on the pain, but the knowledge that you're beside me every step of the way, that you love me and that you're proud of me. I will be slow to judge, quick to love, and see every situation as an opportunity to learn. And now I'll say that over my life every single morning. In fact, when I'm getting ready to speak in a church, that's right. Called out, set apart appointed, speaking to crowds, influencing lives, in those moments where I feel nervous or, or that kind of stress comes in, I just remind myself of, hang on, no, this is what I'm called to do. Mm. And the reason I'm passionate about it is because I believe too often we, we walk in circles for most of our Christian life thinking, am I good enough? Yeah. Is God happy with me? And, and that's because we misalign our calling with our vocation. And so the easiest and most simple way to create a value statement is answer these three questions questions so the first one is what are your four unique strengths right i'd love yeah, listen just write them down the four unique strengths so if let's say you're going for a new job and i said hey what are the four best things you bring to whatever job it might be what are they the next one is i want you to think about someone loved one in your life it could be a parent, and it could be a brother sister a husband wife and i want you to say hey if i ask that person what are the three qualities of jesus that i best represent what would their answer be right so now you've got the four strengths and the three qualities of Jesus. And then the last question is generally, what's the biggest challenge you face in that being that person? Sometimes it's fear of failure, uh, it's um, self-belief, those kind of things. But what, once you have that kind of well-rounded picture of you as a person, I encourage people like you, Beth, Joss, all these other people, to go and turn the four strengths and the three qualities of Jesus into a narrative, right? It just might be one, two, three sentences ...about, hey, I'm a person who is a great communicator, I love people, I'm a strong leader, I have empathy, joy and compassion... ...and now, as you start to workshop that statement, you start realising, hey, actually, I can be that person... ...in all sorts of situations and circumstances, and so, again, I hope this is encouraging and interesting to people... ...but I would love, even if you you do choose to take on that journey of writing a value statement... Mm-hmm. Well, reach out to us. We'll share an email address or something in the show notes and send us your value statement. I'll send you mine back Mm -hmm. and other people's because the reality is, Beth, that if – can you imagine a church that woke up with a sense of purpose and calling based on each and every individual um, every given day? I mean, it would change the world. Yeah. Because every single person in our church would wake up going, man, I know that I'm called to lead people and organizations with wisdom to a Christ-centered greatness. Mm-hmm. I can genuinely desire the success of others. And all of a sudden, it gives you a spring in your step. Yeah. It gives you momentum. It protects against the ego and yeah. all of these other things. And so my hope is it's an encouragement. But please, if you do choose to take on that journey, share it with me. I'll happily help craft it. And together, we can help shape a statement that my hope is will change your life
0: go back and listen to that again there is just some gold in there and it's incredible how much ego really can impact your calling because you might find when you sit down to shape that value statement you might feel that you need to put things in there to fan into flame that sense of self-importance but you actually need to be able to look at your strengths look at the things that you know you're called to do and be able to let go of the things that might not be part of your calling and be able to separate that from career and all those sorts of things so I mean, we've talked on how ego can impact calling and why it's so important to protect our calling from that. But I think ego can also impact our relationships and it can impact the way that we love people around us and the way that we serve people around us. One of the most beautiful examples of that is actually a story from our time in Central Asia when we traveled there together back in 2019 when the world was still open and we were able to go visit the persecuted church. But when we were there, you introduced me to a really dear friend of yours, yeah. Ozod, and he runs an underground church in an incredibly dangerous part of Central Asia. And Ozod actually shared with us a story that had a really important lesson about ego and serving others.
1: Yeah, the thing I love about Ozod is that within his culture, Beth, he, he's esteemed. I mean, every room he walks into, they rise yeah. in acknowledgement of, of not only his age but his authority, yet there is not an ounce of ego in him. And now we we talk about, I guess, ego and the wrestle of ego within Western church cultures. But the, the moment you jump into any other culture could have honor and shame cultures, well, that's not just a faith issue. It can become a cultural issue. And so Ozod, probably one of my dearest friends within the persecuted church. I mean, he's in his 70s. That's mm-hmm. not as if we're close in age, but I've learned more from him than any other persecuted believer. And in a culture that is driven by honor, to find a man who lives without a sense of ego, with a sense of servant-heartedness, is astounding. And, and so the story that you're talking about is a story that I love. And I remember sitting with Or Now, he's got this beautiful ability to answer a question but use a story. Yeah. And half the time, you have no idea where it's going to go, where yeah. it's going to end up. But it always, and in some incredibly powerful and profound way, ends up back where you began. And I remember sitting with him talking about faith and culture in his country and basically talking about the fact that there were many Muslims coming into our countries, but asked him, well, what's the best way to share the gospel with them? As he always does so brilliantly, Ozod began to answer my question with a story. He begins, Brother Mike, (laughs) there was a Muslim brother in Afghanistan working for an American. And one day the American asked this brother, ...if he could do some after hours work. He said he would pay him for overtime... ...and rather than doing it at the office... ...they could work from the home of the American. The brother agreed... ...and the first night he turned up to work... ...he took his shoes off at the front door... ...as his custom across the Middle East... ...and focused on his work. When he came to leave for the night... ...he realised... ...well, his shoes, had been clean... ...they looked immaculate. He was really moved by this... ...but didn't say anything. He thought, no one has ever done this for me before... ...I would die for my brother or my children... ...but none of them have ever cleaned my shoes... And I've never cleaned theirs. So why on earth would my boss do that? A few weeks passed and this did not leave the man's mind. He found himself working late again one night and once again the boss had cleaned his shoes. But this time, the brother said to the man, Why did you do this? And his boss responded, That's what my God teaches me to do. And the brother responded, Well, my God teaches me to pray five times a day, observe Ramadan, and kill people who cross you. The American then shared the gospel with him. Right there and then, he gave his life to Jesus. The man raced home, woke his wife, and proceeded to sit on the side of their bed and share the gospel with her. She also gave her life to Christ in that moment. A few days later, this new believer and his wife felt so convicted that they were going to heaven, but their children and their partners were not saved. So they took the bold decision to share their gospel with their kids, a huge risk in Afghanistan. They all gave their lives to Christ, but it wasn't long until the local mullahs heard about the family's conversion. The entire family, all 12 of them, were sentenced to death by public hanging. The family immediately called the American boss who called open doors and within 48 hours they had passports and visas for the family. As I sat listening to the story I wondered what on earth did it have to do with my original question? Mm -hmm. To be honest there was part of me that was wondering if this was a metaphor which got distracted along the way and now ended up as a powerful story but well as Ozod continued I soon found out how wrong I was. The American accompanied the family to the border, where an open doors field worker met with them and took them directly from the border to Ozod's house. That's right. This was no longer a metaphor. Ozod was central to this story. It's who he is. He's just so intertwined in what's happening across this region. But there is not a single shred of ego. The thing that I'll never forget, though, is what came next, because as the story began to close, Ozod simply looked at me with his eyes of like love and grace and compassion, and said, Mike, you must learn to clean their shoes. There is no set way of speaking to a Muslim, but showing them God's love changes them. Then the Holy Spirit will give you the words needed in the moment to share the gospel. Can you feel the weight of those words, the power of the analogy? Mike, you must first learn to clean their shoes. Has there ever been a more profound, and I guess ego-less analogy, the cleaning of one's shoes. What I love so much about Ozod is that he lives this every single day. Ozod's commitment and passion for evangelism—it's just incredible. It oozes out of him, and there's again, there's not a shred of ego. There's not a shred of arrogance or self-importance. It's a heart of absolute service to the community. As we drove back to our hotel, Ozod told me one part of the story that he said not many people know about. Because two years before this, a couple of people had visited from overseas. They stayed with him and brought him a gift. It was a Bible and it was in Farsi. A lovely gift, but no one in Ozod's world could speak Farsi. So, in fact, he said to me, I tried to give it away to several mullahs at mosques. (laughs) and all sorts of places but he says no one would ever take it because they couldn't read it and he said for two years the Bible had sat on his shelf but the night this family arrived Beth one of the first questions they asked was do you have any books in Farsi Ozod said well I have one and when they realized it was a Bible the family broke down they wept and kissed it as they held it in their hands in the same room that I was now sitting in Beth, we talk about ego. It edges God out It's the best friend of success, the destroyer of character, the enemy of the church. The way to overcome it is to live with a servant-heartedness, a sense of humility, and to remind yourself daily of the fact that, well, we don't even have breath in our lungs without God first giving it the persecuted church we talk about it every single time on this podcast they're they're, they're some of the best spiritual mentors you could ever want because here is a guy that lives within a culture of honour of esteem a guy that within the society already has esteem simply because of his age Mm. and his authority and his influence but then in every single thing he does he lives with a heart to serve the community Mm. there is no edging God out Mm. there is only serving those around him with a love and the heart of Jesus And so my hope is that as we begin to close this, that story is an incredible encouragement to people. Mm -hmm. It's a story I've never forgotten, Mike. You must learn to clean their shoes. A principle, my hope is, many of our listeners today will walk away with. And so hopefully when you marry that along with a value statement or a purpose statement, you can start seeing how powerful and effective Christians who know their calling, who live without ego, and who walk with a sense of authority and influence, but with a love for the community around them, can really and truly turn the world upside down.
0: Absolutely. I remember the first time that I heard that story from you and then sitting across from Ozod with you Mm. in Central Asia. It really is the kind of story that changes your faith forever. And I love that image of cleaning their shoes because it reminds me of when Jesus cleaned the disciples' feet. Yeah. And you think only a person without ego or without unchecked ego could do that. And out of... Every person who has ever walked the face of this earth, the one person who could have an inflated sense of self or self-importance would be the son of God, would be Jesus Christ. Mm. And yet he still cleaned the feet of his disciples. And I think that's such a beautiful challenge for us today. Just learn to clean people's feet, learn to clean their shoes. Because I never want ego or unchecked ego to get in the way of God being able to demonstrate his love to people through us. And I think it's such a beautiful lesson from the persecuted church. But that's all that we have time for today. We would love to hear from you guys and hear what you found encouraging about this episode. We're actually using Instagram stories at the moment to put up comments and questions and get some engagement because... We would love for you to be part of these episodes. We would love for you to be part of this podcast because we're all in this together. We're all learning how to follow Jesus in today's world, no matter the cost. And we would love for you to be part of that journey with us. So Mike, thank you for today. Thank you for that story. Um, And we will catch you guys next month for another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast with your hosts, Mike Gore and Jocelyn Gotto. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. And for more information of how you can get involved, go to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. I'm your producer, Beth, and we'll catch you next month for another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast.